Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, welcome. I'm Fazia Costi, and today we are talking with Dr. Davis McAllister. He has a 15-year combined teaching and coaching experience at high schools in the state of Texas and holds a principal administration certification. He served in the U.S. Army for eight years prior to earning a Bachelor of Science degree from Mississippi State University. He was awarded a Master of Educational Leadership from Sewell Ross State University and a Bachelor of Anatomy, Doctor of Chiropractic, and Master of Strength and Performance from Parker University. Dr. McAllister coaches powerlifting at both the high school and national level and is active in his local community by volunteering and supporting high schools in the North Texas. He's also the sports chiropractor and certified strength and conditioning coach for a sports and performance clinic in Fresno, Texas. It's a pretty impressive resume you've got there, Dr. McAllister. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you've got you've got a lot going on, you know. You sound like you never sleep. No, I don't. It- <laughs> So might as well fill it with something. So, <laughs> you know, I had a dog trainer one time who had a master's in, I don't remember what, I think he had an MBA actually. And and I asked him, I said, you're a dog trainer. Do you need an MBA to, to train dogs? And he's like, the time goes by regardless. He goes, I might as well just do something with it. That's why he just kept going to school. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. T- tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about who you are. So, um, you know, kind of going uh, back, you know, it, you know, sometimes when you tell, all right, we're going to go back to my childhood a little bit, everybody goes, oh, not that far back. <laughs> well, I don't think you're that old. So take but, us back. Tell us a little yeah. bit about who, who you are. How did you become who you are is really yeah. what's important. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I grew up, I grew up in the 80s. I was a latchkey kid, um, you know, for people that, uh you know, don't know what that is. I mean, we grew up in a generation where, uh, you know, both parents typically worked and, you know, they would work long hours and you were kind of left to kind of fend for yourself. And, you know, you had to develop your own sense of resilience and, and resourcefulness and, and independence. Um, but, but along with that, you know, people that grew up in that generation, um, it seems to call, it seemed to cause a lot of conflicts and problems in, in the family dynamics. Uh, especially later on, um, you know, growing up, I had a pretty good relationship with my mother, um, off and on with my dad. I mean, I would say I had a stable relationship with my dad, but as I got into high school and, um, you know, dealing with teenagers in general is, is difficult. Um, you know, I have five children myself and wow. you know, I have, we have one child left at home. Our oldest is 28 and, uh, you know, they range all the way down to uh, 16. So we still have one still left at home. But, um, you know, there, each child poses its own set of challenges. And I'm not, not going to say that I'm not, I wasn't without challenges, but in the process of developing that independence, it, it you know, tended to cause conflict between myself and my dad. And, um, and it finally it came to a head uh, to the extent where, you know, my dad just said, I'm done, you know, get out. And, you know, I ended up on the streets for a few months. Um, and then from there, I managed to uh, get in touch with an Army recruiter and 
was able to sign a contract. And within 10 days, I was on a plane headed to basic training. So that was, that was kind of my escape out of that situation. And, you know, in the meantime, I was having to, you know, kind of fend for myself. I was, you know, sleeping wherever I could and eating whatever I could find and managed to scrounge up and, uh, you know, during that process. And then, you know, when the army came out, came along and said, Hey, we'll give you a place to stay, feed you, give you clothes, you know, pay you. We'll, you know, just do what we need you to do. And that sounded like a much better deal than that at the time. So yeah, it sounds like a fantastic deal. Even if you didn't have a difficult um, time, you know, a lot of people still choose that route. So it's a good yep. route. Yep. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So I spent, uh, you know, I spent eight years in the military. Uh, my primary job, I worked in military intelligence. I was a human intelligence specialist is what it's known as now. At the time, we had a separate designation. I was an interrogator and cross-trained in counterintelligence. And then I also had to learn languages along with that. That was part of my job component. So by the time I got out of the service, uh, I had a uh, working knowledge of uh, Korean, Mandarin, Chinese, Russian, and German. Um, and then people always want me to start speaking in those. I'm like, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> had no reason to use most of those. So, um, you know, so my, my working knowledge of those is, is pretty much gone. But, uh, you know, I can still listen to a TV program and I'll hear something. And I was like, oh, I remember that. You have that recognition still. It's not yeah. like riding a bike, is it? No, no, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's one of those things if you don't continue to use it, it's, you know, uh, it's a very perishable skill. So, um, you know, but there, during that process, I spent a lot of time working on, um, you know, trying to figure out who I was, you know, obviously, you know, given the circumstances that I went in under and given the relationship that I had at home and, and the, you know, there's some volatility there. Um, you know, there was a lot of self-discovery that had to take place and, and figuring out who I was building my self-confidence and self-esteem and trying to, um, trying to really find my way and figure out what, what am I here for? And, and, you know, what's my purpose and what am I supposed to do? Um, which when you're kind of off on your own at that young of an age, that's a big question to have to to figure out an answer for yourself. Um, well, absolutely. And I know people who ask that same question of themselves, you know, when they're in their, I mean, when their life is going really well, I mean, that's a very good question to ask yourself. What is my purpose and why am I here? No, no. Um, and it was one of those things I, you know, it, you know, the biggest thing, the thing I think for me starting off with is the, the self-discipline that I had to develop and then building my self-confidence through, you know, figuring out what what is it that I'm truly capable of? What are my limitations? What you know, where are my boundaries as far as what I can and can't do? Uh, as far as my capabilities are concerned, and you know, had had some great success uh, in the military. Uh, matter of fact, when I went through my primary leadership and development course uh, to get promoted to a non commissioned officer or sergeant, you know, I finished first in my class out of you know, 223 candidates. So wow. Um, you know, but that was kind of a, a proof to myself that, you know what, I'm, I'm capable of a lot more than I ever thought I would, you know, would be. Yeah. And it really changed my perspective, changed my, you know, approach to things and my attitude, uh, just to life in general, and kind of sent me on a, a course to, you know, live a life of, of living up to my optimum potential. No, I, I love that. I, I, I love that you know, you recognize at each level, it's like, well, I can, if I can do this, I can do something else. And, 
and it just continuously builds your confidence. And, and it's clear by your resume that, you know, you took those steps every time you had a level of confidence, you were able to take it to the next level. Yes. So yep. that's, that's impressive. Not everyone does that. So that that's an impressive skill to have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, that's one of the things too, that, uh, that, you know, just an observation of people in general and even dealing, being a veteran and dealing with other veterans and, you know, uh, in the clinic that I work in, we work with a lot of veterans and I'm uh, affiliated with several veterans organizations. Um, you, you meet people that they hit, they hit a certain period in their life and, and it seems like they get stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's either due to some sort of traumatic event that happened or maybe that was the last time that they found success in their life and everything kind of went downhill from there that nothing was ever done to, to you know, rectify that course. And they seem to be stuck. And I recognize that, uh, especially getting around, you know, some of the uh, veteran community and, and a lot of them, they just, they, that was kind of like the highlight of their life. And that's, that's where they stayed. And, and, and even, even when I interact with other veterans, I try to find, you know, encourage them, look, that's just a period of your life. That's not your entire life. And right. It's one highlight. It's not it's one the highlight. only highlight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I never wanted to be stuck. Um, I've, I've, you know, always wanted to continue to, you know, I just have that personality that I'm always looking yeah. for that next level. I'm looking for that, you know, that, that next, uh, the next step that I can take. And, and so I, I did not want that to be what defined me. I just wanted it to be a part of what helped, you know, in my development to get to the next level that I was trying to get to. Right. Yeah. You were much more than just that one time in your life. You were much more than just the military personnel. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that. I, I like that you could see yourself as a, you know, much more than that. I, I do think people get stuck and I think it has a lot to do with their, you know, ability to see that transition to something else. They they just can't see the transition. I wish the military did a better job of helping people transition. Yeah, I do too. Uh, you know, and I, I think there's certain things that are and we weren't going to talk about politics. <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, to me, this is not. No, I, this, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, but to me, this is not. This is not necessarily politics, but it's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know, our veterans are a vital. You know, a vital uh, part of our community, and, and absolutely. And um, you know, I think that they need to be well taken care of. I think they need it. You know, they, you know, have given their their. You know, what people don't understand is that when you sign on that dotted line to serve your country, you're also giving up all your rights that are given to you and, and all those things to go and serve. And yeah. and there needs to be a reward for that on the other end. I agree. Um, I agree yeah. 100%. And so. And I think uh, a lot of people would agree with that. I don't think it's just us. I think most of us agree that there should be some changes yeah. in the way veterans are treated. Yeah. And, and you know, and granted. <laughs> You know, not every veteran has the same experience. Um, you know, not every veteran's a combat veteran. Um, not not right. every veteran has gone to war. Um, but you know, we we need to make sure that whatever aspect that they are, whatever it is that they need on the other end of that service, that you know that the it's there for them to be able to, you know, prepare them to be able to step back out, integrate back out into the world and society, and and right. and be able to fully function. I agree completely. Yeah, you are absolutely correct on that. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the lessons or some of the things that you've learned in your lifetime and some of the things maybe you needed to unlearn. 
Mm-hmm. Are there things that you needed to unlearn? <laughs> there, there were uh, a lot of things that I had to unlearn. Um, you know, a, a lot of it was my um, approach to things uh, as far as dealing with people. Um, you know, I grew up in a household that, you know, I got yelled at a lot and, and not that I have a problem with somebody, you know, being yelled at, but if that's, if that's the only way that you're, you're spoken to for long periods of time, you know, you, you resort back to what you know, right. good, bad, or otherwise. And I was very fortunate. My first squad leader, when I went in the military, um, had a very different approach with us. I noticed that all the other leaders that uh, were in the in the unit, they constantly yelled at their guys all the time, and and he never took that approach to us. And one day, I just finally asked him, "said Why? You know, why don't you treat us the way the other NCOs do? They're they're soldiers." And and he told me, he said, "You know, my first squad leader taught me this, and I've I've carried it on." He said, "I'm going to pass it on to you." He said, "If all I ever do is yell at you." When I really need you to hear something important, you're not going to hear me because it's right. going to sound like everything else that I say. So exactly. if there's never a change and if there's never a difference, you're never going to hear it. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that I have taken with me, you know, throughout my military career when I had the opportunity to be able to lead soldiers and, you know, uh, as a coach, uh, I've always treated my athletes that way. When I've had other leadership opportunities. Uh, I've trained interns uh, going through their clinicals. You know, I've approached them the same way. Um, you know, you, you don't always, ha- not everything has to be the hard approach. Um, Agreed. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, he he definitely understood that when he did raise his voice, you paid attention. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of like I used the opposite when I was working with my kids. I would lower my voice. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, mom must be upset about something. We should listen. <laughs> <laughs> With my kids, most of the time they just got they just got the look. And usually yeah. that's sufficient enough to know. <laughs> most of the time I didn't even have to say anything. So uh, yeah. But um, you know, it was funny, even even when I was coaching uh you know, coaching football, uh, high school football, uh you know, during a game, my players would know. I would always rotate my players out to try to keep fresh players out, out on the field. And, you know, I coached defensive line. And as they came off the sideline, they always knew whether they were in trouble or not. Because if I'm just staring at them and not saying anything, they already know that they screwed up. And they <laughs> just kind of go off on the sideline and finally circle back around behind me uh, versus ones that I was just doing a rotation. You know, they come off and say, good job, you know, and they knew they weren't in trouble. So. <laughs> But but wow. even when even with the ones that were in trouble, you know, the way I addressed them is when they circle, finally circle back around behind me. You know, I didn't turn around and, and dress them down in front of the entire team on the sideline. I would get right here next to their ear hole in the helmet and, you know, talk to them, make sure they understood what it was they did wrong and what they needed to do to correct it and then move on from there. Um Yeah. But that that's coaching. That's not necessarily you know, being angry, that's just correcting something so that their performance is better, Yeah, which is, which is a huge difference than just yelling at somebody just for the sake of yelling. Sometimes I think when people yell a lot, they really, it's, it's their lack of ability to communicate better. Exactly. And and it all goes back to, you know, components of leadership, you know, but that's one of the things that I have been an avid student of and, and, studying uh, for the better part of, you know, 30 years now, really studying leadership and what is, what is truly effective leadership versus what is management. 
versus what is dysfunctional management. Um, You're right. There's a huge difference between that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huge, huge difference. Absolutely. Let, let's talk about some of your greatest successes. You've, you've had so many, but let, let's talk about what you consider your greatest success. I would say my greatest success is, uh, you know, the, the, the people that I've been able to impact um, along the way. I have, you know, it's funny, I, I go back and I, if people look at my, you know, Facebook page, I have, you know, quite a number of people on there, but almost every single one of those people that are on there are people that I know personally and that I have had some sort of, you know, impact or, or, you know, connection with. And the vast majority of them have been my former students or my former players or former interns that I've, that I've worked with or colleagues that I have worked with and, you know, have said that I've, you know, made an impact on them. And to me, that's the greatest, um, that that's the that's the highest level of of success is that you know that you've been able to successfully impact other people. It's yeah. not about it's not about what's hanging on your wall. It's not about a medal on your chest. It's not about you know a, another award on the shelf. It's about what what have you left behind? What is the legacy that you're leaving for the next generation to come up? Right. Um, you know, well, that's the true mark of a leader. I, I mean, yeah. truly, you know what what your legacy is is. is is really important. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the books that, that I read uh, early on was uh, by John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And, and one of the laws that's in there that always really stuck with me was uh, the law of multiplication. And, and so I can only influence a certain number of, of people. Um, you know, working in a clinic, I can only treat a certain number of, of people over the course of my life. But if I can take 10 interns teach them the way I do things, have an impact, show them how to be successful, show them how to, to take good care of their patients or, you know, working with an athlete, teaching them proper technique and all those things. And then they go out and they train 10 more people. Well, I've already impacted, you know, close to a thousand people at that point without, you know, having direct contact. That's mm-hmm. that to me, that's the mark of success is, is what, what are the ripples that you have created? Mm-hmm. that have managed to, you know, to have a positive influence, a positive impact. Yeah. That exponential growth is amazing. Truly amazing. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. What are, what are some of your greatest, what are some of your greatest failures in life? And and what, I, I mean, I sense that you're much like me and that you learned from your, your failures, your mistakes. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned from those mistakes? Um. I would say probably uh, one of the biggest lessons that I learned uh, from my mistakes is um, going back and looking at the things that I did that affected my home relationship and making sure that when I started taking on a family, that one, I wasn't repeating the same mistakes that I was making, but also be able to help my children not make those same mistakes. Um, as far as dealing with the relationship, learning how to communicate effectively. Uh, okay. You know, those are the things that, that I felt like were my, my biggest challenges, especially on the communication side of things. Um, I was naturally an introvert, uh, you know, growing up, I was pretty quiet. And, and even still, even, you know, when I'm not doing these types of things, you know, I'm a little bit more vocal and animated. And, and even still with this, if I'm up, up on stage, I'm actually a lot more, <laughs> oh yeah, Be, being on the radio is very different than being a speaker, isn't it? 
Oh yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm much more animated when I'm up on a up on a stage. But um, you know, it was it was one of those when I was in first grade. I was actually tested for retardation. They the teachers thought that I was you know mentally retarded at the time, and because wow. um, but what knowing what I know now. I suffered from extreme ADHD. Uh, I, huh. I mean, I was, I was hyperactive. I couldn't, I couldn't focus more than, you know, more than about five seconds on something. And then my mind was off on something else. And, you know, um, and, and trying to corral all that in to focus was like, you know, herding cats. It was <laughs> and, very challenging. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but they didn't recognize, uh, you know, ADHD wasn't even a thing back then. Um, you know, well, there was people a, even, you know, refuted that it existed. It, yeah. Like ADHD didn't exist for many years, according to so many people. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you were one of those kind of restless kind of kids, you were just kind of written off as a bad kid that, you know, didn't have any discipline. And, yeah. um, you know, and so, uh, you know, they, but that when they had me tested, it turns out that it was actually the opposite. They said I had a really high IQ and actually very intelligent, had the ability to be able to learn, quite a bit, but, you know, my biggest challenge was learning how to focus. Um, right. And, and you have a, you know, that, that lot of internal dialogue that you got to deal with. And sometimes your internal dialogue kind of puts you in a position where you're self-absorbed, even in, in other company to where you're having conversations, but you're not having conversations with anybody else. It's, right. You know, you're, you're having conversations within your own inner dialogue, but um, and that's one of the things that I had to really learn how to change, especially, you know, when I got in the military and then after that started uh, finding myself in leadership roles or at least uh, roles where I was having an impact on people and uh, is learning how to better effectively communicate with, with people and, and be able to communicate confidently. Um, I would say probably one of the other biggest things is making sure that you own up to your own mistakes, not just to yourself, but you know, if you mess up, own up that you messed up, you know, apologize, ask for forgiveness for it, forgive yourself for it, and then move on and then forget about it, you know. Yeah, and I think a lot of people get stuck on the letting go part, you know, they might forgive themselves, they might forgive others, but they they have a hard time letting it go. Yeah. So it's good that um, you do that. And it's good that you work with your your family to recognize those issues and, and let those go as well, because that is truly you know how you move forward in life and keep those relationships strong yeah wonderful um how do you inspire others like on a daily basis or how do you inspire yourself um i to me for me personally it's my it's my daily routine um okay you know the the first thing in the morning uh, you know i want to make sure that um you know, and not branching off into, you know, religion, but I make sure that, you know, the first thing that my eyes lay, you know, are laid on, on in the morning uh, before I read anything else. I, I read my verse of the day and, uh, you know, get my daily devotional with that done. Um, and then right now I'm actually in the middle of, of powerlifting season. So I'm going as soon as I do that, I get dressed and I have to go coach in the mornings. Uh, we start workouts at 530 in the morning. And so uh, with my high school athletes and and then, uh, and then when I'm doing my drive from, you know, the school to uh, my office, I have about a 45 minute, you know, drive that I have to make, <clears throat> you know, I have, uh, you know, my daily motivational stuff that I like to listen to uh, audios and, you know, audio books. 
you know, I love listening to uh, things that, you know, Steve Harvey, so Steve Harvey and I have a very similar background as far as, uh, you know, he was homeless at one time and had to find success on his own terms. And um, he, he was actually, you know, kind of defied the odds of, or the statistics of what should have happened to him um, to find success in his own life. Um, I love listening to Jim Rohn and, and uh, Earl Nightingale, you know, a lot of those type of motivational type people. And, and matter of fact, in the last couple of weeks, I've started listening to a lot of Eric Thomas's uh, material. So you, you find stuff that helps motivate you, get your mind going, get your energy up. Um, and the reason that you have to do that, especially in the morning, is that your mind is most absorbent first thing in the morning. Right. And so it's extremely important what you put into it, including the music that you listen to. You know, all, all those things are extremely important, you know, for those times that your mind's most absorbent. So, um, you know, then as far as others are concerned, try to find people that are struggling with something. See what you can do to help. You know, it, I believe in living a life of service. Um, I believe in what's called servant leadership. And, you know, if somebody, what can I do to help you? Help right. me help you. And you know, whether I'm dealing with a patient, dealing with an athlete, you know, matter of fact, I had a young lady this, just this morning that she was beating herself up to tears uh, because she didn't lift the weight that she was trying to get. And, and she's young, she's a little freshman and uh, just had to have that conversation say, look, you've got to be patient. You're doing great, you know, and just continue to, you know, give them that, that influence and let them know, Hey, you can do this. You know, just take a step back and take a deep breath. Wonderful. You know, um, one of the things I want to tell our listeners is that you you do have a book that you've written, and we're going to talk about it when we come back from the break. But if they wanted to get in touch with you, how could they do that? Uh, I have a website, uh, Uh And you can you can reach me through that website. Uh, my email is info at drdavismcallister.com as well. I have a Facebook page and an Instagram page that I post things along the way. And uh, so people can reach out to me through any of those means. And what is the name of your book? If they want uh, the to name of my book. Yeah. Uh, the name of my book is the pillars of powerful parenting. And then the subtitle is guess what your team told me today. Okay. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, yeah. So um, if you'd like to get a hold of Dr. Davis McAllister, you have his information. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. We have our um, uh, January issue of Executive Function Magazine coming out January 10th. So if you have not subscribed to that uh, magazine, uh, feel free to go to the website and subscribe so that you can get that, um, that issue January 10th. If you're looking to be on our radio show, or if you'd like to write an article for the magazine, Executive Function Magazine, you can also go to the website and on the contact page, you can contact me and let me know what you're um, what you're interested in doing. And I'd be happy to um, help you in any way that I can. Um, if you're interested in our mind print assessment, you can also go to the website or you can call me directly at 480-648-1122. And uh, we can set up that mind print assessment. We um, are extending our sale till probably the end of January. So you can get the mind print assessment for $300. Uh, normally we charge $350. And we do have ACT and SAT uh, predictions in that uh, mind print assessment. So this is a wonderful uh, way to assess your child and see where they're at. 
And um, if you're looking to get in touch with me regarding executive function coaching, we are accepting new students uh, for our spring semester. So you can give me a call and we can do a free consultation to see if you um, or your child are a good match for our coaching practices. Uh, once again, that's executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And um, I want to extend just a quick thank you for all our listeners. Uh, without you, this would not be possible. And I just want to thank our listeners in China and Russia and uh, Europe and Australia, New Zealand. Without you, we really would not be here. So thank you very much. And we'll be back after these messages with Dr. Davis McAllister. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fawzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Fawzi works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Welcome back. Um, this is Fazia Costi, and today we are talking with Dr. Davis McAllister. So welcome back, Dr. McAllister. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so happy that you're here today. This has been a, a very wonderful show. So thank you for that as well. Um, I, I want to start talking a little bit uh, about your book that you've written. Um, so I, I want to shift gears a little bit. L let's talk about your book. What is the name of your book? It's uh, The Pillars of Powerful Parenting. Uh, guess what your team told me today. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, the I actually had a friend of mine come up with the, uh, the title because my original title was just, um, was uh, What Your Child Told Me Today. And uh, had a friend of mine that's uh, you know published several books and and things along those lines, and he's like, we got to come up with a better title. He said this good, this book is good enough that you know it needs a much more you know impactful title. So he's I love it. Love that. So <laughs> <laughs> well, he did you a good favor. So that's nice. Good. That's very nice. Um, what what inspired you uh, to write this book? 
So uh, during the number of years, uh, you know, kind of going back just a little bit, you know, right up, about after I got out of chiropractic school, I went into full-time practice. And then uh, in the area that we uh, lived in, uh, we got hit, uh, our area got hit really hard economically during the that 2006 to 2008 economic crunch. Right. Uh, everybody in our area was losing jobs and, um, you know, losing their health benefits. And it, it impacted our, our business as well. And we ended up uh, having to scale back and, and, look at other opportunities to be able to continue to, to move forward. And um, my wife also started having some health issues at the time. I'm sorry uh, to hear that. Uh, yeah. And then, so it, it was going to require me to be able to have a little bit more uh, time, you know, with my, with my kids and, and mm-hmm. being able to help her. So we kind of flipped it. I, I got a, offered a job to take over as a, a director for a health science technology program for a high school. And, uh, so I took that position, still practiced part-time, you know, so I changed my practice dynamic to where I was practice, still practicing part-time. And then out of that, I was also given an opportunity to coach. Um, and one of the interesting things is when we started flipping that for a short period of time, I found myself at home full-time with my kids as we were making our transition. And I had a real stark slap of reality is that I had, I didn't know anything about my kids. Um, mm. I, I didn't know what they liked. I didn't know what their favorite foods were. I didn't know what their tendencies were. I didn't know that all five of them had different personalities. Um, <laughs> it, but it was because I was repeating, I, w- I was committing what I call a generational curse. <clears throat> I was doing the same thing that, that I was raised with. I was working from, you know, hours on end. I was working weekends and, spending all my time doing that. And, and essentially I was neglecting my family and, you know, trying to, trying to get a business off the ground and uh, trying to find success under those terms. And I was, I wasn't seeing the forest for the trees. Um, yeah. And it, it really forced me to change my, uh, my perception and concept of what success really is and what's really most important. And, you know, I don't believe that we're given children to ignore and to raise themselves. We're, we're given children to be able to mentor and guide and, uh, you know, to be able to put out into the world so that they can continue to be able to have an impact, you know, a positive impact on the world we live in. And, you know, by me going into education, that allowed me to be able to spend a lot more time with them. Um, I have gotten the opportunity to be able to coach every one of our kids through high school. And in that process, uh, you know, always tried to mentor kids and help kids along the way. And, you know, always shared my background uh, because I, you know, walking through those, those halls, I know that there were kids that were having some of the same struggles that I had when I was in high school and not that I went out looking for them, but, you know, I believe that you're going to attract to you what you are. And you're also going to recognize it. Yeah. And you're going to recognize it. And so I had a lot of kids that would seek me out for advice and having struggles, whether it be at home or, or personally or, or those types of things. And I always took the approach to that of, okay, if this is my kid talking to me, or if this is my child talking to somebody else, what would I want my child told? And, and so I always gave advice from that aspect and from that standpoint. So I really gave more advice more as, as a parent than I did you know, as a teacher or a coach or, or right. whatever. Um, and, and tried to be that voice for parents that, 
you know, because you never know who or what is influencing your kids out of you, out of eyesight and earshot. And yeah. I always wanted parents to be able to have that confidence that they were, their kids were going to get good sound advice if they did come to me for anything. And I actually had parents that would come to me for, for different things. So I started logging a lot of these, these conversations and stories and it kind of developed, you know, started taking on the shape of a storyline. So for about two years, I continued to write a lot of these things down and kind of, uh, develop, you know, try to pick out what the key points were. What were the key problems? What were the issues that were going on? What's the commonality between all of these different conversations and these different issues that I kept seeing with kids and their help and their home lives and families? And, and I, I wanted to use it to be able to make sure that I was filling in the gaps where my kids were concerned. Uh, sure. I, I tried to use it to help me be a better parent. You know, I would take these conversations back and I would go back and my wife and I would talk about them and you know, allowed us to be able to take a step back and analyze what we were doing, how we were doing it, you know, what were the mistakes that we were making that we need to to rectify and correct and get things back on the correct course. And at least for us and our family dynamics and, and, you know, as it started to kind of taking a shape and then I got kind of a clear message to stop, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the logging of that because it was already kind of taking the shape of a book and, about a year, a little over a year ago, got a very clear message that I needed to, you know, to finish. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt like that that time, so we're looking at a eight to nine year gap. Um, and so we're at actually about year 10 now of that gap of time from the time that I started take, writing all this down to the time that I actually finished it and published the book. And it allowed my wife and I to be able to take the time to look at all these different things. What were the solutions that we were coming up with and actually put them into practice where our kids were concerned Um, to make sure that, you know, I'm not repeating the same generational curse and having, you know, the end result of the the type of relationship that I ended up having with my family. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things, too, that, you know, Eric Thomas talks about. Don't don't allow the things that you suffered from to dictate, to push on to your kids. But to a certain degree, you also have to allow the mistakes that, that were made to not be repeated as well. So you don't necessarily have to live for not making mistakes, but you do need to live for doing things better so that history is not repeated. Well, and, I kind of see it as a difference between active parenting and passive parenting. Yeah. You know, passive is the traditional, you know, just kind of make sure your kids have food on the table and a roof over their head and they go to school. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of enough. That That's, I think, what most people consider I've done my job. Yeah. And you were very, you, you switched the gears a little bit and became an active parent, which is, yeah. you know, kind of traditionally the, the difference between, you know, a parent who's a father versus a mother. You know, mothers are more active, whereas fathers tend to be more passive. Where you decided to actively decide to be an active parent. Yes, and and essentially, my wife and I both are Type A personality type people, and so you know, having two active parents that that are involved, and yeah. and you know, when your kids are growing up, they don't necessarily always appreciate it, but when they start seeing what's going on with some of the other kids at school, and some mm-hmm. of the things that those kids are dealing with in their home lives, and the, or the fact that you know they they come to games and they have a senior night we have a senior that doesn't have a parent to walk them across the field. 
Um, yeah. And and I've I've had to walk more than one you know senior across the field over the years uh, on senior night because there was no parent that showed up that weren't involved. And so my kids, you know, as they've gotten older, they've you know developed a much greater appreciation for the level of involvement that we had. Uh, with with everything that they were doing, and not to the extent that we were trying to be helicopter parents, but it was it was with the intent of making sure that we laid a good foundation for the relationship, so that you know I, I believe that every good parent is working their way out of a job, and, <laughs> and yes. uh, you know you want your children to to be independent, and you know uh, and, and you want them to be able to stand on their own two feet, and and be Definitely. able to take life on and handle things in their own terms. And while your children, as they get older, there's that transition period of, uh, you know, as they're coming out of high school and becoming a young adult and trying to figure out life and you can't teach them everything that they're going to, you know, that they're going to be uh, challenged with as they leave the house. All you can do is try to give them the tools to be able to to step back and be able to use to take and, and, and handle problems on their own if that's what if that's what's required. So right, and and if you've done your job well, and it sounds like you have, and you're an active parent, then your children should have enough skills to be able to problem solve and get to where they need to be, or if they don't, have enough uh, self confidence to come to you and say, you know, I need a little help. Yep. And and thus far we've been we've been successful with that. Um, yeah. you know, or, uh, you know, we've uh, we've got a good working relationship with our children, and and um, you know we have regular communication with them. And you know they uh, we've got one that's he's actually finishing up fire school. He's married and uh, lives wow. hours away from us. He's fin- finishing up fire school, and then uh, we have a set of twins that uh, they're nineteen. Um, daughter's uh, trying to get her prerequisites done for nursing school. And then her twin brother is in the Navy and uh, he's stationed over in Japan. So very different dynamics of (laughs) when you get called for advice, you got to be prepared for just about anything. Yeah. That's awesome. uh, No, that's awesome. And I I love how active uh, you and your wife are as parents. I, I wish everyone was an active parent. I have, I work with kids and adults and a lot of times, most of the parents that I work with are very active parents because they wouldn't be coming to me otherwise. But sometimes I get a parent who, you know, comes to me and, and then they become absent once their child starts working with me. It's like, they, yeah. they're like handing it over basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's not really parenting. That's yeah. no, they're turning you into a babysitter basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or at least they'd like to. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's not always the right way to parent, but I, I love that um, you're you're being conscientious and your mindset is, you know, you have this this long-term goal in mind and, and you know, you sound like you really um, are looking at your family as, as long-term and, and you should be because they're there for life. Not everyone looks at their family that way. And, and no. I, I have found that that is a very, um, I, well, at least for me, it's a very foreign topic. You know, it's, it's something that doesn't resonate with me. I think your family's there forever, so you have to really take care of them. And it sounds like you really are. Um, I, I love the book. I love what you you do. Talk a little bit about your study guide and your parent and teen coaching um, that you do with your families that you work with. 
So I uh, decided to write a, a study guide to accompany the book. Um, and uh, that way I had an opportunity to be able to, when I had the opportunity to be able to sit down with a, a parent or hopefully a parent and a teen and be able to help them, you know, kind of sit back and step back and look at the relationship. My goal is not to tell a parent how to parent. My, my goal is to give a framework to, you know, kind of guide your family with. And if you look at the things that I put in there, you know, we call them pillars. Pillars are foundational. They're the main support, you know, for the roof uh, of, of a structure or a building. And if you look at even some of the ancient ruins that, that are still standing, when the roofs have collapsed and gone, what's still left? You still have the pillars that are still standing. Right. What, and, what are your pillars for your book? What Do you mind sharing those? Uh, I can share a few. I've got, uh, so the uh, the very first one is unconditional love. Um, and that was something, it took me a long time to really understand what that meant um, as far as what unconditional love is and and how does that apply to your family? What what are the restrictions? Um, and one of the events that happened um, in my life is I got to kind of, over the years, I, I tried to mend my relationship with my parents. and it, it had been off and on and off and on. And unfortunately, we've been in, in a, a very long extended period of off. And it was more by their choice than mine. Um, it was uh, it was an issue. Uh, you know, when my wife and I met, she had two boys that were actually from her previous marriage. But when, when we talk, you know, step is not used in our house. Um, you know, those, those are my sons. Um, you know, these are my children. You know, and they've always been treated as such. And unfortunately, we had an issue where, uh, you know, you know, my my side of the family wanted to treat uh, the the two older boys differently than than the kids that were biologically, you know, uh, mine. And we had to make a decision, and basically, basically had to give an ultimatum and say, look, this this is not how we're going to work this. And, you know, you need to make a choice of, of your level of involvement. And they chose not to be involved. So, uh, and that was their choice to make as, as you know, much as it, you know, I hated it. Yeah, but, I'm sorry uh, to hear that. That's unfortunate. Yeah. And, and, and during some of those course of events, um, you know, I got an email uh, that was sent to me um, by some of my family that uh, basically told me that, you know, you've exceeded your number of transgressions. And, and I was like, yeah. And I was like, you know, my first thought was, you know, there's that little snarky side of me that, you know, as people get to know me, I've, you know, got a pretty sharp sense of humor, but, um, you know, that snarky side of me was like, well, if I'd known that I had a limit, limit on number of transgressions, I would have used them much better than what I did. So, (laughs) um, but, uh, um, but it, it was also, I was like, I, I, I didn't know there was a limit, you know, since, since when was there a limit on how many times you could screw up where your parents are concerned and, and, um, and then that was it, you know, they, they don't have anything to do with you anymore. They disown you. And I'm sorry to hear that. I'm really sorry. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things. It is what it is. Um, you know, that's, that's my reality. I don't, I don't let it define my life. Well, uh, clearly you, you've, you've moved on. <laughs> you, yeah. you obviously have a fantastic life, but yeah, this is a, this is not a, a, a bright point in your, in your no, life. It's not. Right? I mean, there, here's, here's the thing that, that I hope people understand is this. It, it, 
one of my one of my favorite people I like to listen to is Zig Ziglar, um, and I, I know that he's dead and gone, and, and he's passed on. But a lot of his stuff that he taught over the years was uh, still out there, and it's still very profound, and still has has an in, impact. Um, but I actually got to hear him live, and one of the things that uh, before he passed away, and one of the things that he said is that when you meet great people, the first thing that you need to understand is that the only reason that they have greatness is because they had to overcome great obstacles to get there. And so true. And while I don't, while I don't see myself as, as having that level of greatness yet, you know, it, it helped me understand that, okay, they helped me understand what life was more about, you know, life is about dealing with problems. You're always, right. and I've heard a lot of people say this in different ways, but, you know, life is all about problems and growing from those problems. You're, you're always either going into a problem in the middle of a problem or coming out of a problem. And <laughs> so we most, better get good at transitions. <laughs> yes. And, and most of the time you're in all three phases at the oh, same time hilarious. with different things. And, but, and if you ever find yourself in one of those situations where, you know, I, I don't understand why this keeps happening to me. The answer is real simple. It's because you haven't learned the lesson that you were supposed to learn the first time it happened to you. Absolutely. And, and so it's going to continue to repeat itself until you finally learn that lesson. It's what I call going around the block. You're going to keep going around that block until you finally learn your lesson. Then you get to move on to the next block. Well, you're spending your life building blocks. And that building of blocks is a foundation for who you are and, and, and building up. Mm-hmm. And then eventually... These couple problems that you had to find solutions for and you finally learn lessons from are going to help you address this one. And then eventually you start building an entire wall. And this is what I refer to as the temple within us. This is our temple is the lessons that we've learned and the things that we've had to accomplish and overcome so that we can continue to grow. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Um, From your um, book, is there any specific advice that you would share that you want to share with our listeners? Is, is there something out of your book that you feel is the most important lesson in life or the most important thing that you've learned that you'd if, like if to share? I, yeah. If I would, if I could chalk it up to one thing, there's 10 pillars that I put in the book um, and they range from, you know, the first thing that we talked about was unconditional love. Then, you know, we talk about communication. We talk about being consistent. Uh, we talk about, you know, uh, goal setting. We talk about, you know, having an action plan. And it really, if you look at all those things, those are the same principles that you would use, that you would hear mm-hmm. at a uh, business success uh, right. you know, lecture or, or seminar or you know, kind of a motivational type deal. It's the same principles. It's just you're applying them to your family, but most people don't ever look at it that way. They don't look at, at treating their family the same way with the same type of goal setting as they would their own, their own business. And you no, have, you're to, right. Not every family has goals. No. And you're right. Yeah. And, it's fascinating. And, and so with that, though, with the goal, you have to have the end product in mind. What is the end result? And so when you look at your kids, you don't you're always going to have to deal with something right now. But you deal with something right now with what do you want that end product to look like? What does that child look like on the end and, yeah. that's how, and that's how you parent them. That's how you raise them. That's the lessons that you teach them with that end goal in mind. What does that look like when they step outside of my house as an adult? Well, 
I, I really appreciate this. This has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. And I'm going to ask you one last question okay. based on your, you have clearly done wonderful things with your life, but if you were going to look back, what advice would you give your 20 year old self? Shut up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what you're telling me, what I'm hearing is you had a very strong personality when you were young. <laughs> and and. I had a hard time. Uh, I had a hard time being told I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a hard time uh, taking criticism. Um, I wanted to be in charge, even though I had no clue what I was trying to be in charge of. Um, and you know, I had to learn to be a better follower be- before I could be a better leader. And yes. and and so, if I could, if I could get my twenty-year-old self to understand that. I probably would be a lot further along in life than where I am now. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, One last time, if you don't mind sharing how people can get in touch with you and if they want a copy of your book, where they can get that. So you can go uh, on my website, drdavismcallister.com. My email is info at drdavismcallister.com. You also, there's also links on there to my social media pages. And I have uh, a section on there for media highlights. So if you want to see some of the other interviews and other people that I've talked to along the way, uh, there's also a link on there to my book, but you can go to Amazon, uh, both the study guide and uh, my book uh, or on Amazon. You just search up either Dr. Davis McAllister, Pillars of Powerful Parenting, and you know, both of those uh, should pop up, but I have the links on my website as well. Um, and then I'm also, you know, I'm always interested in, in you know, speaking engagements and uh, being able to get in front of more people. Uh, you know, right now, most of my coaching sessions that I'm doing with, with parents or other people that are just having me work with them on basic success principles, uh, you know, it's, it's been just a, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, online Zoom type, type format, but I really want to get to the point where I'm I'm going and spending a day, you know, working with a group of people and taking them through those steps and having some more personal interaction. I, I know we're coming out of the days of COVID where everything, you know, uh, and and it's also a, a convenience to be able to do things, you know. And I like this format, especially with my time schedule. But I still want to have those opportunities to be able to get out and get in front of people. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, If you're, yeah, if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Make sure you subscribe to our magazine, Executive Function Magazine. Um, Our next issue goes out January 10th. So make sure you've subscribed so you can get a copy of that. We are now a monthly publication. So if you're looking to, publish, you can also send us a copy of an article you'd like to publish, or you can send a request and we'd be happy to talk to you about what we're looking for. Um, If you're interested in being on the show, feel free to email me at Fozia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And I'd be happy to chat with you about that as well. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Without you, this would not be possible. And we will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.